good thing too, because if you think of St. Joseph, if you think of the humility, if you think of what type of person he was, he just went about his business. And that's really kind of a attractive call, uh, quality about St. Joseph, isn't it? Hey, welcome to the Pints and Pews podcast. We're just two guys talking about the Catholic faith over a couple of pints of our favorite craft beers. So why don't you slide into the pew alongside us and listen in for a while. I'm actually going to stand up to do this because I figured that's what the problem has been the, the last two times. Because like the last two times I've had the, the horrible pour. Pour, yes. But every time... Other time I pour a beer, it's fine, and I figured it out. Usually I'm sitting down when we're doing this, and I do the pour sitting down, yeah, and yeah. it's a mess. So I'm going to stand up this time. Now hopefully I can get this close enough. What's with the bottle opener, man? It, uh, every single beer is twist off now, Robert. No, these wow. are these. this is a real Trappist Ooh, beer. That's a Belgium. nice color. They, they, they nice don't do beer. twist offs no, in Belgium. They're, and they're real the perfect, beer drinkers. And that's the perfect pour, too, actually. Perfect pour. A little, I got a little bit of sediment in the bottom there because I tipped it all the way over, but that's okay. Oh, that's good. Then you'll, you, you'll see, too, I have the official Chimay glass to go with my official Chimay nice. beer. I got the, the blue cap tonight. I was going to do the red cap, which is a little bit lighter. This is an, a darker beer and a little bit stronger. But the red cap... We're at, we can get it at the LCBO. So here in Ontario, the, the Liquor Control Board of Ontario that monopolizes all liquor and imported beer sales. But the red cap, you can only get in a 750 milliliter bottle. I didn't get the big one. So this is the, the, the blue, nice dark one. Nice one there. Mm. How is it? That's nice. What, what, that, that sounded good. What are you drinking? Dr. Pepper. When's the last time you had a Dr. Pepper? <laughs> That's right, because this is kind of our last Lenten recording. Exactly, because we usually record on Fridays unless we record on Good Friday, which probably wouldn't be in the best spirit of having a couple of beers on Good Friday. I'm assuming we're not going to do that. that more than likely not. But yeah, we, so we've been doing this through Lent and you gave up beer for Lent. Mm -hmm. uh, so you've been a good sport and come but, along. But uh, you know what? Me. The thing is, we we mentioned today when we saw it, and we'll get into Saint Joseph in a bit. But we saw the solemnity, and we're okay for meat today. So I could have been okay, as you pointed out the other day. I could have been okay for beer today, but I was on a good roll for four weeks. So I'll, I think I'll just keep it up. The, the yeah. name of the, the podcast is Pints and Pews, and we do have a Facebook page, which hopefully the listeners will, will swing by, give us a like, um, hopefully drop a comment. Hopefully they'll, they'll you know, say, no, either tell, tell us how much they love us, because who, yeah. who doesn't love us, right? Or what we need to do better, what they would, you know, some, some suggestions. Like, uh, and, and then no Robert, will pass, Robert will pass those uh, suggestions along to me since I don't have Facebook, but yeah, that'd be... Yeah. <laughs> there um, we go. But and you, so, had, you had a listener query too, didn't you, Robert? You had uh, somebody. Yeah, so, so there was someone the, dropped a comment on our, our logo. Uh, and the comment was, you know, I, I drank my share of beer in my life, but never in church. And I'm like, I don't, 
neither have we. So the, the, the way I answered that was, you know, kind of LOL laughing out loud. Now, neither have we, and nor would we ever condone drinking in church. Right? Absolutely not. I once had a beer in a, in a library at a, at a university, but I never, never in church. I usually slept in the library at university, but that's, oh. <laughs> that's a whole other, a whole a other nap. conversation. Yeah, I've got some naps about that. Uh, and, but we're, we're just a couple of guys who like to talk about the faith over a pint. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of where the, the name comes from, Pints and Pews. We, we enjoy having a beer. And while we're having our beer, we like to talk about the faith. And that the inspiration for this actually came from G.K. Chesterton's quote. And I would show you, but I mean, this is a podcast. No one would be able to see it. But I do have my G.K. Chesterton shirt on. You know, with his quote of in Catholicism, the pint, the pipe, and the cross can all fit together. That, that was also the kind of the the inspiration we used to get together in the pub with a, a bunch of other like-minded gentlemen, mm-hmm. and we would have a pint and talk about the faith. None of us are smokers, so the, the pipe you know what the, we could try that though. I I wouldn't mind trying the pipe, like one of those old pipes. I mean, I think my grandfather who, you know, lived his whole life in Belfast. He had a, I remember visiting once and he had a nice pipe. We could do that in the summer outside. We should go, go for that. Just to try it once. Just, just, just to try it once. Yeah, yeah. My dad, my dad smoked a pipe for a while. And, Did he really, eh? Cool. And, and out of all of the tobacco smells, the pipe is the nicest. Absolutely, Robert. And, and I, he had, he had a tobacco. It was like a, a cherry tobacco. Oh, so there, there was almost just a cherry smoke in the cigarette house. smoke. Forget about it. But a, a nice pipe. There was a guy around the corner. I used to see walk into the grocery, and he always had that pipe. And it's kind of it's almost a refined look too, with a little pipe, isn't it? Yeah, I don't know if we'll ever be able to pull off a refined look. Yeah. Not and to be confused that, with the pipes uh, young people have nowadays. But it, well, exactly. That's a whole whole other. Speaking of young people, you had um, you had a story as well about. Your about, son in the faith, didn't you? About, about our Michael, and it kind of ties into with uh, you know, this notion of like to talk about the faith while, while having a pint, and you know, maybe you throw a chuckler or, or two in there. And I remember, and this was about seven or eight years ago, uh, Mike and I were on a car ride. I think we were going up to my parents, which was about an hour car ride. And we were listening to the Catholic channel on Sirius XM. And I don't remember which show it was. There was a, a number of shows that we would listen to when we were in the car like that. And I remember my Michael saying, now this, this is great. He says, I've never heard people talk about the faith and laugh at the same time. Right. Yeah. Uh, and I think that particular day, the story that they were talking about was, you know, what scripture quote would you like to have on your tombstone? Right. If you were to have scripture on your on your your tombstone after you passed away, what would you pick? And the one guy said he would pick Isaiah 26, verse 18. I writhed in pain, but gave birth to wind. Because that's the scripture reading that deals with passing gas. <laughs> right. It's <laughs> all so my my son who's eight years old in the is in the at the time he's in the backseat, just killing himself laughing, like. Who talks about basically? Who talks about faith and farts? Yeah, and, right? there, and there's somebody who doesn't take himself seriously, but he takes his faith seriously. Exactly, and, and, I, and I think that's kind of what we were, we're, aim, we're aiming to do, anyway. Absolutely, right. you know, you, we're, we're striking a fine balance between laughing at ourselves and having a laugh, 
but not crossing into her irreverence in any way. Right. And I think that's the key. And none of those people on the radio did that. And you don't want to do that, but you have to laugh. I mean, we have to have a chuckle. Life's too serious, especially in 2021 in the pandemic times. So I I think a good laugh is, I wonder if St. St. Patrick or St. Joseph had a good laugh. Oh, I'm sure, I'm sure they, they must have. And we wanted to talk a little bit about St. Joseph and St. Patrick together. We're both of some Irish extraction, uh, you more so than myself. Mm-hmm. That being said, and I guess this was made a little bit more aware of it this year, is how much St. Patrick overshadows St. Joseph. Mm-hmm. Right? Uh Again, we record these on a, on a Friday, like we were we were mentioning, and uh, thought we'd gotten you the loophole that you could have a beer in Lent because it's the right. solemnity of St. Joseph, but you're you're doing the right thing. You're doing the hard thing. So that means you must be doing the right thing. Yeah. Uh, and, and you're not having that. But St. Joseph, which is a solemnities, as opposed to the 17th of March, which is the Feast of St. Patrick, and the solemnity is a... Uh, carries a greater weight within the right. church. So for example, if March 17th falls on a Friday, because it's simply the feast of St. Patrick, you still have to abstain from meat. Right. But because today, March 19th, is the solemnity of St. Joseph, there's a, a reprieve, if you if you like, from the... the who, happens to be, who happens to be the patron saint of Canada, if I'm not mistaken. And I'll do you one better than that. He's the patron saint of the Universal Church. Wow. And, but, yeah, go on. And, and as I was going to say, that, that being said, not just that he's the patron saint of the Universal Church, and especially for us here in Canada, he's the patron saint of Canada. Why is there not special celebrations going on within our own parishes, uh, even in regular times, uh, if you will? We're not a holy day of obligation, as many countries have, you know, holy days of obligations for their particular saints. I was looking at, you know, or at least solemnities. I mean, uh, Australia seemed to have three. I, I don't know if I was looking what I was looking at yesterday, but there was there was none for Canada. I don't know if that was no. particular. Oh, that, um, that, that was an article. About, I was going to say, I'd have to get up, go to the other room to pick up that article. We talked about holy days of obligation. I mean, less and less so. There's more in the states, obviously, than there is in Canada. In Canada, yeah, no. And that article we were talking about from the Adoramus Bulletin, I believe, and like I said, it's in the other room, and I'd have to to get up and go pick it up. Uh, but there are, according to canon law, if memory serves me correct, there are correct there are ten holy days of obligation uh, through the the course of the year and i believe saint joseph is one of them again you'd have to correct me if i'm wrong right but there's only really how many holy days of obligation that were required to attend mass that aren't attached to the nearest sunday well and and that's just it within canon law yeah each conference of bishops so each country can choose to either add a holy day of obligation or remove a holy day of obligation, or remove it to the nearest Sunday. So, for example, in the case of adding a holy day of obligation, in Ireland, March the 17th, the Feast of St. Patrick is a holy day of obligation, where it isn't in the rest of the church. Right. 
And that's why everybody, yeah, from when my parents were young, you, you, and still to this day, you went to Mass on St. Patrick's Day, right? That was just what you did. Yeah. Now, conversely, here in Canada, where, you know, I guess it's hard enough to get to Mass on Sunday, never mind on a holy day of obligation, mm -hmm. uh, they've either moved most of them to the next Sunday or just removed the obligation. From a few, for example, the Solemnity of St. Joseph is not a, a holy day of obligation, nor is it moved to the next Sunday. Okay. So that leaves us here in Canada with two, two holy okay. days of obligation. Right. And we right. both know, right? Christmas. We, we, we both know. Most people will get one of them. Right. Right. But Christmas. you have like the, the Epiphany, for instance, which is January 6th. That's moved to the nearest Sunday, is it not? Exactly. Right. This, and the, the same with uh, the Ascension. The Ascension. And the same with uh, the Corpus, Corpus, Corpus Christi and right. the Conception. Um, so we have Christmas. And then the other one that people don't always realize is a holy day of obligation is the Feast of Mary, the Mother of God. Absolutely. And that's probably the hardest day of obligation to make it to Mass because it's yeah. January 1st. And uh, everybody is not feeling so hot the morning of January 1st. Either they don't want to go to Mass on the 31st in the evening to the Vigil Mass, and when it comes to the, the That's the, the perfect time to go, though, the Vigil Mass. It's 5 p.m. Nobody's going out on, on New Year's Eve before 5. Well, at least I don't think many people are going out in 5 p.m. It's mm -hmm. a little early to start imbibing, would you say, over Fair enough, yes. But no, it's, you make a good point, and I, I think that's uh, important to remember. I mean, St. Joseph does get overshadowed but i think in a way it's a it's a it's kind of a good thing too because if you think of saint joseph if you think of the humility if you think of what type of person he was he just went about his business and that's really kind of a attractive call uh, quality about saint joseph isn't it exactly he didn't, need, he didn't need the limelight he didn't need to kind of you know the, the fanfare he just went about his business quietly Humbly. Exactly. Exactly. You know, I've never really thought of it that yeah, way. Yeah, I, I read some an article about that once, and kind of why he was a reflection once about why he was such the perfect, the perfect role model. And I think that's kind of him in, there in the shadow. You know, overshadowed in the same week by Saint Patrick all the time. Yeah, hmm. but it, you know, I've never thought of it that way, but I think that that is a a perfect way of of looking at that. A perfect way of looking at Saint Saint Joseph. Um. I always say he's the epitome of the strong, silent type because mm -hmm. we have we have no recorded words of of Saint Joseph, so right. he is silent, right? But he's also so very strong in his protection of the Holy Mother and in his protection of the Christ Child, right? You look at even like the story with the Holy Innocence that the you know, the angel of the Lord came to him in a dream and said, "Get up and take the babe and his mother." And go to Egypt because people want to destroy him. Mm -hmm. And he did. He got up and he did it. They walked. Uh, I read somewhere it's about eight hundred miles yeah. that he took them in, into Egypt, right? And so he, he really is the epitome of the strong, silent uh, type. And go. I like I yeah. like what you're saying that it, it shows his humility because it it really takes a humble heart to be mm -hmm. close to the Lord, and it shows his humility that he's. Uh, constantly overshadowed by the festivities that surround mm -hmm. St. Patrick's Day. And, and speaking of the festivities of St. Patrick's Day, what were you wearing 
on the seventeenth. I'm glad we. What was I wearing? A hat, and I was wearing a uh, tie, a little wide tie. Do you remember those ties from the '80s, or was it the '70s? See, I you had the big green shamrock hat going, and the the big, and it was it was as wide or wider than the the 1970s ties, all in yes, it was in in green kitsch, too wide, too wide. And you were trying to get me to get some of that stuff on. Wasn't I trying it, to put a hat on you and you wouldn't you, put it? I, 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 wouldn't, I wouldn't put Why? And you didn't on. tell me that your mother was from County, did you say Monaghan? Monaghan. Yeah. No, I wouldn't put it on. And, and because I, I look at it this way. I think the Feast of St. Patrick, poor St. Patrick, has gone the same way as St. Valentine. Mm-hmm, good point. You know, in some ways, even if you look at Easter, which it's more about the, the chocolate eggs mm-hmm. than the risen Lord, and I mean, especially Christmas, yeah. especially Christmas, like it, it's been taken over by the secular world mm-hmm. uh, to the point where the primate of Ireland, the Archbishop of Armagh. Yeah, he's always the primate, the Archbishop of Armagh. Yeah, Go so he, he, he's in charge spiritually of both the Republic of Ireland yeah. and Northern Ireland yeah. together. This year, he came out and said that we need to rescue St. Patrick from his feast day. Mm, that's right. well put. And he's just like, we need to liberate St. Patrick from green beer and shamrocks. Yeah. And to that list, I would add, we need to free St. Patrick from leprechauns and fake accents. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And, and you know, Archbishop Martin says, you know, we need to focus more on St. Patrick himself. And he said we should... You know, get to know St. Patrick, who, the, the real St. Patrick, uh, by reading his confessions and the, another work of his letters to the soldiers of Croticus. Mm-hmm. I thought it was really cool that really two of the, the most renowned saints going both shared their life stories with the title Confessions. Mm-hmm. And you have the Confessions of St. Augustine, which I think yep. almost everyone knows. I had never heard of the Confessions of St. Patrick. I didn't know they existed. Right, and so that's that's going on the reading list, huh. and so to to quote the the Archbishop of Armagh, uh, I thought you were about to say to quote Saint Patrick's from his from his no, <laughs> no 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 not to quote Saint Patrick, but to quote Archbishop Martin from uh, sorry on the Confessions of Saint Patrick. He says, if you read the the Confessions of Saint Patrick, right. you won't find any mention of green beer, snakes, or even shamrock. But you will discover the testimony of a real person who dedicated his life and energies to spreading the good news of Jesus Christ. Mm-hmm. And he goes on to say that the, the confessions are more about St. Patrick's struggles and trials as a missionary and the dangers that he faced from opposition, both outside and inside the church. Mm-hmm. And, Sound and familiar? I, oh, no kidding. Like, I think you can put that in any generation. Absolutely. Right? Absolutely. Yeah, you were talking about earlier on about uh, we're we're almost coming on the anniversary of the pandemic and the challenges and some of the blessings as well that we've seen over the past year. And um, I think it's big. The biggest challenge, one of the biggest challenge for me, obviously, is is and and you could probably speak to it. I don't know if your if your churches were as locked down as ours because we're in kind of a little bit of a different area. But I think one of the biggest challenges is to remember every Sunday to register for mass. So I, I don't you I don't think you've had to do that. But now that in my particular church, we have to I can't just go to mass every Sunday. You have to 
make sure you register and how many people are going with. And that, that kind of, you know, is a little bit of a uh, onerous task, shall we say. I'm still glad to attend mass as you are, but uh, after a while you get to think registering for mass is not the way I mean. And then we've got the physical distancing, but I tell you, I think we've probably been of, of any of the establishments and institution over the course of the last year, the church, at least in our area has certainly been, the safest in terms of uh, pandemic protocols. Would you agree between mask wearing and the and sanitizing and the 20, keeping the uh, churches at 30% capacity so there's physically distancing? They've done well. I could see why the Cardinal was upset when the churches weren't allowed to open and yet you were, lop, you were allowing shopping malls to open up sooner than churches. It doesn't make any sense. Oh, I, I, and I completely agree. Uh, I think if you you look at, especially within the Catholic churches, but I think a lot of the other major denominations, you could say the same, that they're not tracing outbreaks back to the churches. The registration for the Mass, I I get, we have not had to register for Mass in our parish yet, but that, I think, has more to do with the size of our community Right, and and, and it, you're a little bit more rural community. We're, we're we're living a, a rural community a little bit further out, whereas you're very much in a suburb of Toronto. Correct, with with a, a larger population. Right, right, and so your your parish population is just that much larger than ours. We're supposed to be at thirty percent capacity. In some Sundays, we're lucky to get thirty people. Okay. Right. Yeah. And and that and that's just indicative of the size of the community, right? Uh, yeah, and you're small. And it's funny you should say that because I'll go on some. You know, if I if I wait later on in the week and it's a Thursday or Friday and I'm like going on, it's like 5 p.m. Saturday sold out. I'm like, darn, 8:30 Sunday sold out. So you you you're, you're not he- you're not heading over to the mass early to see if you can pick up tickets from a scalper. Okay. I know. I wonder what happened if I just showed up there 5 p.m. Saturday sold out. And what are they going to do? Are they going to, you know? Well, and we had that conversation yeah, one we did. time, and that's where too sometimes I think we should just have somebody follow us around with a microphone because we have these kind of conversations. I know it's it's like a running conversation. You had a good five five, five days a week, and then texting over the weekend. Yeah, but, the problem is, but the problem is now that you're, you've you've hit that milestone, your memory is not what it used to be. So when you have a couple of good lines, you usually forget them by the by the next day or or within a few hours. Well, within a few, within a few, within a few hours, because we were having a conversation the other day, and you said, "Yeah, we got to use that for the podcast." Are you going to remember that? I'm like, "Yeah, sure, I'll remember yeah, that." I know. And, and I, I think I was, you. I think I was half an hour later at your door, going like, "What did I say?" No, right. I, I couldn't remember. I thought maybe it was the yeah, maybe it was the thing about your son. I can't remember. I have I have no clue. But coming back to this you know, needing to to register and missing out for me, that's been one of the biggest challenges as as well. And kind of twofold out of that is maintaining a faith life. Whether it was when everything was completely shut right. down, right, and so you're not getting into the building because so much of this the faith life so much of the the sacredness of what we do comes from being in a sacred space mm-hmm. and when you don't have that sacred space to go to it's hard to perpetuate all of the the sacred elements that would come along yeah. with that I, right? you know what that's really true robert the, the thing about that initial shutdown which we're talking march and april 
and it was very difficult. And we, we, you know, you speak to a lot of people that are housebound and you weren't getting out. I'm telling you one thing that saved me and you could probably speak to that too. Cause I know was uh, Cardinal Collins daily mass from the cathedral for, for April and May when we couldn't go to church at all. It was just, I know it's obviously not the same receiving the Eucharist, but it was just this daily reminder of the importance of the sacrifice of the mass. And it was just him and, you know, uh, I think maybe one other priest, but it was, he was, for those three months, two or three months in April, May, and June, it was beautiful. Yes. Oh, no. And again, I agree that that was really a, a lifeline. Lifeline. For, yeah. For, for that. And a couple of stories out of that. The first one and you were talking about, you know, it was Cardinal Collins and his assistant, Father Mark, but mm-hmm. there was also the other priest that live and work at the cathedral. And one of them is actually a good friend of ours that we've right. both worked with father matt mccarthy yeah who is now in charge of the the office of vocations the vocations director and i was texting back and forth with him a little bit about that just after easter because all you know the the director father ed ed curtis was there father matt mccarthy and i think it was father sandy mcdonald who also was assigned to the cathedral they were all there for the easter masses right with cardinal collins and so i asked Father Matt, what's it like doing the Easter Mass in an empty cathedral? And he said it was bizarre. He said it was really bizarre to get up. He was doing some of the readings. Mm. He said it was bizarre to get up to do the reading and to look up. And the church is empty, but you have to behave like the church is full. Well, yeah. Yeah. And he said that was really weird. That was really bizarre. The other thing I wanted to mention about that, and it being very much a, a blessing to have that, and a blessing too that there were a number of pastors and parishes that stepped up and were live streaming their masses. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. In the Diocese yeah. of London, which is where my in-laws are, yeah. the Bishop of London. We're talking about two hours west of Toronto. Of Toronto, yeah. London, Ontario. Yeah. Right. Uh, the, so the Bishop of London, Ontario, uh, two or three weeks into the initial lockdown, actually pulled the plug on the live streams from his parishes because he only wanted one central live stream for the diocese. <laughs> and that lasted for about two or three weeks because I guess there was enough uproar. And then he rescinded that decision and gave, again, the local pastors the ability to live stream their masses. And I think that was the right decision because especially in those times and that, that initial shock of the crisis, that initial shock of the pandemic, people didn't necessarily want to hear from the bishop, in our case, the cardinal, because that's a figure that you see at best once a year, mm-hmm. if not even less often. But people needed to hear from their pastor. People mm-hmm. needed to hear from the priest that they were used to hearing preach week in and week out. That person who they called father because he is a spiritual father figure to them. And I think people drive a lot of comfort from that. Now, as things are opening up, I would say that parishes maybe need to stop live streaming yes. the, their Let's masses so that. that people can come back Come in. back in. I mean, we don't need another excuse not to be going to Mass. I mean, you know, exactly, exactly. Now, people say, well, what about the, the shut-ins? Well, yeah. the, the, there's always been the televised Mass oh, for the yeah. shut-ins, right? And, and so that would be the Mass that they would go to and return to. That's almost like their parish Mass. Right, right. 
right? Yeah. And and you know what? There has been challenges, but I mean, we've gone. We've I think hopefully we've gotten through the worst. The vaccinations are, you know, coming in fast and furious. So hopefully we'll be back to full capacity soon. But there have been a God few willing. blessings. God will. There, there have been a few blessings, and yeah. the, and the biggest blessing that I found from all of this was the renewed importance of the domestic church. The the renewed importance of the family being the first church, the family being the first line of faith, and especially my role as a father in trying to ensure that the the faith continued within our own home, within our own domestic church. Mm -hmm. Uh, And again, my my wife keeps me on the straight and narrow on, on that in a lot of ways. And we work together. We always say we work together as a team. We're, we're the one flesh and we're there to ensure the domestic church is present there for our son. And so that refocus again on family faith life was, was a blessing that came from that. Yeah. And, and on family as well, you know, being yeah. able to spend more time with family. I know we, we were doing Friday night games for a while and, and movies and just, you know, not being able to rush, you know, not having to rush, rush, rush as we were doing so for so often. It was just kind of nice to now. And, and we were blessed as well, too, I think, Robert, in both cases, is that. But so I, I got this last thing here. It's like retirement. So I guess you're 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 retiring oh, in, in retirement. five minutes. Yes. Yeah, no, I won't be. I won't be in on Monday. I'm retiring this weekend. No, okay, you, don't look I, old, I, I wish. you don't look old enough to retire. I wish. Yeah, no, I wanted to talk a little bit about retirement because it was announced, I guess, two or three weeks ago now. It's almost like it's old news that Pope Francis had accepted Cardinal Sarah's resignation, his retirement from his position in the Congregation for Divine Worship. Mm-hmm. Uh, which is which has made you sad because he's one of your favorite cardinals he's a very good card very holy man it makes me say he's a very holy man a brilliant man yes. uh very liturgically minded mm-hmm. cardinal um so no it did, it did make me sad but then you realize he's 75 i know here right. here we are you know we're thinking about retiring almost 20 years before him he's 75 i mean how often has he been to Rome and Africa and back all over the world. He's writing books. He needs to have a break. He needs to just sit and 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 devote himself to prayer, devote himself to writing and not have all this weight that he must have as a cardinal. Like I think sometimes the priests and bishops, they get a raw deal, 75 years old, like where everybody else can retire at 65 or 60. You know, poor Cardinal Collins is doing a fantastic job. He's almost 75 and he's still going strong. Like they don't have that time to kind of just sit back. So many of them are so talented. So many of them are wanted to probably do pursue so many other activities, but they're just busy right to the very end almost, aren't they? Yeah, and, and I was thinking about that the other day as we were preparing to, to talk right. about this and you think, you know, I'm thinking I'm barely going to make it to 55 and these guys go to 75. Like, I don't know. I don't, I don't have another 20, 25 no, years. Absolutely in not. And you and, think of the work that they do. And so then you have to come to realize that God has called some very special men mm-hmm. to, to fill these positions. God has called some very special men. Very special. Uh, to 
to do these things. And, and it makes you think there's that expression, you know, God doesn't call the qualified, he qualifies the called. And, and because they've mm-hmm. been called really to nice. do this, he's given them that grace to be able to go mm-hmm. until the age of 75 and beyond some of them. And, and beyond. And, and maybe and, he saw that. Maybe Pope Francis said, you know what? You're 75. You've done a great job. You know, have a bit of a retirement. Yeah, and he can do a lot of good. And he says he, he's looking forward to in retirement, like you were saying, prayer and reading and writing and, and so much good can yes. come of, can come of that. And I know Cardinal Sarah was, was saying in some interviews that, you know, people almost want to politicize this event, that they're saying that, you know, Pope Francis accepted his resignation so, so quickly uh, because they're always at odds and they're always in conflict. Right, right, and Cardinal right. Sarah said, you know, no, there, there's no conflict between us. Mm. Good for him. And he said that any conflict that is perceived as being between us has been generated by the media. The media is mm. looking for something that's not right. there. Isn't that interesting? Right, which, yeah. which I found is r- really interesting. Uh, it shows a great deal of humility on both of their parts. Yes, absolutely. And a great deal of obedience on the part of Cardinal Sarah. Thanks for listening to the Pints and Pews podcast. We hope you enjoyed it as much as we enjoyed putting it together. We'd love to hear your thoughts, so please join the conversation over at the Pints and Pews Facebook page.